0: Today is Wednesday, October 18, 2017, and this is a Radio Wave special with a friend of Medjugorje. What follows is an encounter with a friend of Medjugorje, given at Caritas of Birmingham on October fourteenth, two 2017. Here is a friend of Medjugorje. Our Lady is calling us to order. If we can't get ourselves in order, we can't get anything else in order, and this order reflects in how we live, what we do, and how we act and behave, and everything we think. Now, the universe, when it's studied, is in order. It wasn't made in chaos. It was made with order. Because God is always order. And sin is disorder. The Garden of Eden was order. Satan brought in disorder. And we've got a disordered world, disordered nation disordered state, disordered county, and disordered cities and little villages and towns, and disorder in the family. So the first thing we start off with is the simple things. You've heard probably me talk about the two criminologist policemen in New York who was looking at the crime in New York, and they couldn't stop it. It was probably 30, 25 years ago. Central Park was dangerous to go in. They couldn't stop the crime. These two criminologists was in a precinct that down the road, a warehouse closed up. And then there was another in about two or three blocks from that closed up, same area. And they watched this as they went by, not paying attention in the beginning, but they started to notice something. One window was busted out, and then another window was busted in the other warehouse. The chain link fence was around it, was tore down on one of them. And when something happened on the first one, they repaired the window immediately. They repaired the fence. They kept the grass cut. The other, when the window broke, they didn't fix it. Soon it had ten broken windows. The fence was tore down. The grass grew up. The whole place was trashed. And they did very little maintenance on the other, but they did immediate maintenance with it. They began to realize if you keep order, it's easy to have order. When you let a little disorder happen, it turns into a big disorder. They reasoned out from this warehouse, what if we started looking at crime and being severe on the minor crimes that's been broken. They come up with the broken window theory. If it breaks, you fix it immediately. And what if we started arresting people for jaywalking and put a severe penalty on it? They did that. They started doing other minor things done in public. And over a year or two, murder dropped 30%. I never understood the proverbial saying until I heard that, that if you can't get away with jaywalking, you can't get away with murder. We have a lot of sayings, like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. These are proverbial things based in Scripture. And we got people cry because you say something to them and it's hate speech or whatever. So the jaywalking and all these things, they came down and... Crime came down to the lowest it's been in in decades in New York. They've gotten away from it. starting to go up now. But when I walked in here, the first thing I saw, I saw Mary, where's Mary? I pointed to these shoes here. Look at them right now. She just reordered your shoes. You're teaching bad habits coming here and having your shoes sloppy right there. If the tiptoes of your shoes are not on that silver line, it brings disorder. I saw them doubled up. I saw them crooked, and somebody's already messing them up over there, where Kathy just walked. Kathy, go fix that disorder. (laughs) Because they just got fixed. But our kids learn order, how to keep the room, how to keep the house clean, how to do everything. And we get busy, and things get messy. But we know we're always called to order. And this is one of the first things we did years ago, instituted this. We just don't throw a pile of shoes up there. They're neat. We notice... After we started doing this, the kids in the field were lining up the shoes in the field. Who would ever think about that? There's a picture you'll see on the site. They were in Philadelphia. They wanted to put the feet in the fountain. Nobody said nothing to them. So there's like six or seven of the girls in the fountain with the feet in it. And behind it is the edge of the fountain. And all their boots are lined up. You know what happened? Everybody walked by and started taking the picture. It was like amazing. But people, they recognize order. And where's kids of six or seven, eight years old doing that kind of thing in their life? So spiritual order leads to physical order. But that doesn't mean everything's perfect. Our lady, when she said this message on March 25th, 1984, Rejoice with me and my angels. You know what else happened in that person I didn't mention yesterday? Something very profound. Because with our lady, she's not free just, just to rejoice. She always has another problem with that. Just like when she had Jesus and knowing this was the Savior, he, she was already told by Gabriel Earl that she's going to be the mother of the, the Redeemer. She was given the name, and at the same time, she knew the Scriptures. She knew where this was going. And as she held that baby and the rejoicing of that and the joy of that, she also had in that what the Scriptures foretold of, of this child growing up and what she would have to go through. And many a time I've talked about the saint who had encounters with a lady, that if she was knocking on the door, he would be reluctant to open that door up because with the consolation comes desolation. With coming the warmth of that beautiful baby and nursing that baby, Jesus, the Christ child, came the same body that she held at the foot of the cross, cold dead. You get an equal amount of consolation to the level that is, to equal the sorrow. It's part of the spiritual life. And so here it is, this great moment March twenty fifth, nineteen eighty four, the Annunciation, Feast of Annunciation, and lady says, "Rejoice with me and my angels, because a part of my plan has been realized." And then she says, "Many have been converted, but many do not want to be converted." So she's rejoicing, and then she saw on that. But this is what I didn't say yesterday. This was the thousandth apparition at Medjugorje, and after these above words, the Blessed Virgin sadly looked at the visionaries and cried. Because she knew she'd be losing people. She knew these things were going to be some strife. She knew three months later, even some of the Russian atheists would lose their life because this was necessary to stop nuclear war. You'll never have just sheer joy in this world. There's no promise for that. You won't attain that. It's a necessity, especially to keep you humble and keep you from being proud that I'm not a sinner If you get to thinking, well, I'm the righteous ones, and they're not, you are way off base. Take the most degraded person out there, the most criminal thing you can hear, we're worse. I'm worse than that person because I'm next to the Virgin Mary. You're next to the Virgin Mary. We know her. We're listening to her. Because we're so close, because we're aware of what's going on, we are in a position that we have to first look at ourselves before anybody else. And that's the only way you can condemn sin. And you can't condemn the sinner because we don't know why people are what they are. We can condemn the sin. But the best way to condemn sin is by your way of life. By your life and how you live and your convictions, you shame people. You show people this is not right. You can preach all day long. But Gandhi said it the best. I believe Christ. I believe his teachings. I believe what he he lived. But I never saw a Christian that made me want to be one. What a sad testimony, a terrible testimony. So last night, all the saints were doing prayer group on the staircase. Who I was over there? Uh-oh, you just identified yourself because I know the message. Was you proud of the message, Bill? Do you remember it? Who remembers the message last night? Ruth did. We do a prayer group every Friday night. Sometimes they go to different places. They go to the cross. They go to the employees. Sometimes it's just here. Sometimes it's just on the steps. And so, mostly the youth are always doing this. But the message for gathering like that is always important in a heightened way. So the message that was picked last night was November 2nd, 2010. Dear children, with motherly perseverance and love, I am bringing you to the light of life to destroy the darkness of death in you. She wasn't talking to all the sinners out there. She was talking to the community and you who are visiting there. To bring the light of life in order to destroy the darkness of death in you. That means you've got darkness in you. That means you have death in you. And we don't like to get these messages. But we don't reject it, we accept it because we are sinners. And we here in community have been privileged by many, many instigations by Our Lady through our messages and divine intervention and even in apparitions doing things that we've experienced that nobody in the world has had the experiences. Not even the families in the Medjugorje visionaries. They hadn't spoken to them. We've had so many beautiful moments that we are accountable or higher than the worst sinners in the world. And that's our position. We have to have that position. And she's saying that. The story of the darkness and death in you. We had Maria, and you may have heard this story, but it's so beautiful. And these are the kinds of things we, privileged with things we don't deserve. Johnny and Annie, where are they? Dude, I didn't hear them, sinners. They're probably sleeping in, huh? No, they're in the kitchen. Then we're going to get married. We're real busy. We had a lot of things going on. And our weddings, if you've been to them, how many people have been to the weddings here? There's nothing else like it. They're three hours long. They do an hour adoration in what we call the tenths of the solitude. On both sides of the church, they don't see each other. And they do, we do an hour adoration for the marriage. The, the, it's a two-day, it's, it's a wedding feast at Cana. Everybody, the first time we did it, says, I wish I could get remarried again. It's beautiful. And we didn't just come up with it. We came up through the messages. How should our people here get married? And, it's, and a lot of people have coped across the United States. But nevertheless we had a lot of preparation we put a lot of efforts into the weddings and what we do and keep it spiritual and something of life something beautiful so I told everybody we were gonna stop a couple of days before the wedding and go to the bedroom and pray I told them I'd be gone I had a meeting and I would come back and y'all start the rosary at a certain time I think it was like 8:30, or... but anyway being there praying I'll get there if I'm late. Y'all start the rosary. Don't wait for me. So they started the rosary, and then I arranged for Joan and Ruth wanted them to put a little city player in there. And I walked in and said, "I'm going to play a song." I stopped the rosary. They were in the first decade, and I want you to think about we're hustling and bustling. We're I've got all of our. We're being Martha. We're getting ready for everything. We need to really reflect and go back into prayer, and realize what we're about to experience with this wedding and getting preparation, get a heart set right. And so I started the song, I said, you close your eyes, don't open your eyes until this song is over. So we played the song, everybody's got their eyes closed. They took it seriously, we're around the bed, we're packed in there. And out of the blue, Maria steps into the bedroom. Nobody knew she was here. That's where I went to pick her up at the airport, her and Paolo. They come to the door. In the bedroom, and I'd expect Maria to do what she did. She picked toed right to the bed where she'd not done and kneels down. Nobody saw her come in the room. So look at this scene everybody's praying, nobody's even imagining that, that could even be a remote possibility. And the song ends, and I said, Open the eyes. And you would think everybody in the room had an apparition because they did. <laughs> They had pandemonium. I mean, it went crazy. Everybody was shocked. Everybody said for a long time. I remember just Jacinta just looking like... <laughs> because you close your eyes, then she's there. Within 15 minutes, our lady's appearing there. You never know here where you're going to be or who you're going to be in front of her. Nobody could even had a dream tonight that you're going to be in operation tomorrow with, with our lady. So within 15 minutes, our lady appears... And they were so loud in there, just the joy was like incredible. It was such a beautiful moment. Maria was happy, Paolo was happy. It was, it, the community was just in shock and awe. So, anyway, our lady goes in the apparition, and afterwards I asked Maria, what was the lady, what did she do? She said, she just stood there and looked, just like someone just sent that. She was looking at us in some kind of way that was different. I said, was she tranquil? No. Was she happy? No. I said, and so I had to pull it out of her. What, what kind of mood do you express? She says, she was amused. In other words, she was part of it, and it was a joy for her. She wasn't showing the happiness and the joy in the sense, but she was sitting like, Maria did this. And so to see these little bitty windows... No. To see these gigantic windows like this with our lady, we're responsible. And our least sin is greater than somebody, perhaps, when we know not to, than somebody's committing murder out there. So we always see our position of what she says when these messages, that we're first because we, we're, we're not only living something, we express what we live here, but we're worse than any of you. To, all of you together, one of us as an individual is worse than you are. And we believe that. And I believe that because my dad would always come home, the first thing he would say, What are you sinners being doing? We were raised that way. That were, we were always a sinner. In need of the repentance. And that's the best position to have. You should always be the hardest on yourself, not somebody. We talk about degraded people, we talk about abomination. We don't, but we don't, if, we, if they want to talk to us about it, we're very easy with them. Because we are worse. And they've been twisted or perverted or whatever, but that doesn't stop us from from coming down on the sin. So our Lady said last night, "I'm bringing you the light of life to destroy the darkness of death in you." She's talking to those who are reading these messages. They're not reading the messages out there. That's me and you. Do not reject me. In other words, when you know you're supposed to do something, like this fast. How many people's already eaten broken the fast? Everybody? I ain't had time to eat this morning. I'm not thinking about well, I gotta eat. Some things come up this morning, I got tied up, that's why I was late. But it doesn't matter to me. But if Alea was saying to me, I don't want you to eat till lunchtime today, and then I ate, then I'm rejecting that thought. Because she's gonna prompt us in there that you're free to disobey, or rather not disobey, don't even put it in that context. You're free not to do it. But it's the candies that you disappear. If you see a little piece of candy or chocolate on the counter there and you're getting ready to pick that up and eat it and you think, you know, I could give this up for a lady. It's not a big thing. What's the big deal? Try to put that down and watch what happens. Because it's not a big deal. It's hard not to do that. Do those little bitty things it's hard to, big things are easy to do because you, you build momentum and this is a great thing. But the little tiny things that you're you got your glass of milk and you got this or your cookie, and you say, you know what, I'm not going to eat that. I'm going to give that up for a Lady. That's the hardest thing to do. It's the little things that Our just gave a message to the community that make the big things. We think, okay, it's, we can't be doing what these big things are doing with the mission without doing a lot of other things. Everything's built up by molecules or matter on a micro scale, and that's your spiritual life. It's the little things that's going to make you strong. Not the great things. Oh, I achieved this. I did so. I did not eat bread and water fast. Those things are only powerful because they've got a foundation of a daily life of sacrifice. February 25th, 1988. Sacrifice your life for the salvation of the world. St. Francis wasn't told this. Padre Pio wasn't told this. St. Catherine wasn't told this. You've been spoken to by the Virgin Mary as your personal message of February 25th, fifth, I'm asking you... If you want to, I'm inviting you, in this time of grace, to sacrifice your life for the salvation of the world. And a sacrifice is a continued martyrdom throughout your whole lifetime. It's easier to just die. And once you start going through conversion, and it starts costing a lot for your conversion, the deeper you go, you will say to yourself, it's easier just to die. It's just easier to pass on. No, you're copping out. God's got plans for you. Our lady didn't say on the Thursday message without real intent to live through this persecution and difficulties that God wants to test you through your daily chores. And we equate this, I've equated this to the message in the beginning that everything can be going perfect, everything's going right, and we're doing something for God. And the angel has a big old monkey wrench which weighs 10 to 15 pounds. Gears underneath it and drops it right in the gears and breaks teeth in it. So it breaks the whole thing down. This place is a machine. It's a factory for conversion. It works. We see it. We hear it every day. You will go through conversion because of the way this thing's infrastructureed spiritually, not physically. The physical is a manifestation of how this is structured spiritually. We know what we do because we've tapped into the oil well of the messages. And we hit mother loads all the time. We hear incredible stories. You remember reading two or three months ago about the prisoner? Incredible story. If you, don't, you didn't hear it, ask for a copy of the newsletter. Hit read it. It's amazing. But this is a normal thing that happens. We went public with that because some of the circumstances was even even more amazing than some of the things we've heard before. But it's set up. And in fact, it involved the Pieta prayer book that was received in Medjugorje. Then went to Ireland, who the Irish guy who got that knew a prisoner in our backyard here in, right here in Florida and brought this guy to conversion, who was a murderer, who was very wicked. The, the details are amazing stories. Our Lady's got so many beautiful stories. And so we know we've got this machine that works, that is built with the molecule of daily sacrifices throughout the day. Not getting upset when you're completely justified to be upset. So Our Lady tells us, you have to destroy the darkness of death in you. Do not reject me. And I say that in a sense because throughout the day, you may not think you're rejecting Our Lady. You say, well, just not eating that cookie or whatever. When you got a prompting from heaven and you turn away from it, then you're rejecting that prompting. Now, you might say that's a severe view of that. But you need to be severe, mostly on yourself, and easy and lenient on the sinners out there. And that gives you the ability to say what we say about those sinners. And call them what they are about or whatever they're doing, or whatever they're doing in that. The difference in what we do, again, like I said yesterday, is we recognize we're sinners, and we break, and we violate, and we're worse in that sense, but we're repenting. The other side of darkness, that walks in the darkness, that embraces darkness believe they're the ones on the moral and that they don't sin and they don't recognize the re- need for repentance. Do not reject me, my children. Stop and look within yourselves. Conversion is necessitates that you have to look at yourself always. I mean, throughout the day, you will make a judgment on somebody. When well, you're walking downtown or you're walking this, or you're at the malls or you're at work, and it's just our human nature to do that. You're at the airport. And I I binded myself when I get mad at somebody in front of me because they're on the stupid cell phone and they're sitting there through a light and I start getting upset with them. I give them a special blessing to cancel out my judgment against them, And I don't like doing that because I like to do something like ram the car into them. (laughs) So to atone for my bad judgment and go in there, I always say, okay, Mary... I'm going to give that person a special blessing. If they ugly to me at Walmart or whatever out there and, and I didn't do anything, they having a bad day, and I start thinking, you creep. I come back and say, okay, I'm sorry I said that, Mary. i want to give this person a special blessing. You mark that person for conversion. And I sometimes add a hell, Mary to that. Stop and look within yourselves and see how sinful you are. Be aware of your sins and pray for forgiveness. If you want to be forgiven, you gotta forgive. And this is big because everybody's got in their life people you have to forgive who's wronged you. But you wanna be freed from that? Another writing to read is harboring anger will eat you alive. If you've read it, read it here again. If you haven't read it, read it twice. Because everybody has this in their life. Harboring evil, we'll pull this out and put stacks of them out here. Harboring anger will eat you alive. You can't grow. You can't do what you need to do. You can't be close to God if you're not forgiving others, no matter what they've done. And if you don't read this thing and forgive, you're you're on a bad path. You're not repented. And we've all been hurt. Things have happened to people throughout your lifetime. And this this writing shows you that you have to forgive and in a reality. Not just say I've had people I forgive them, but I'm still angry with them. You have to forgive them, or I've forgiven and I've been so hurt. Now when you forgive, you're not hurt anymore. You're free from that. It's liberation. And people that genuinely forgive, they're liberated. It's not their problem anymore. Uh, there's people. In, being what we are in our position in the Medjugorje world, we've had so many people do so many things against us, but I don't hold on to it. I forgive them. I'm free of that. Let them do what they want to. They can still continue to do what they want to. But I'm, I'm rid of it. And that's the course that really puts you on a solid foundation of conversion. Stop and look within yourselves and see how sinful you are. Be aware of your sins and pray for forgiveness. You have to forgive others to be in a spirit where you can really ask for forgiveness. My children, you do not desire to accept that you are weak and little. Unless you have an attitude that you're weak and you're little and you have no power, you can't equate yourself to Our Lady when she says, I have no power on my own. Everything I get is through prayer. It's amazing. She gave a message saying that. We are weak. We in the community see ourselves as the weakest people out there because we don't have an excuse for our sins experiencing an apparition physically of a visionary in the bedroom appearing there. And then 15 minutes later, the Virgin Mary appearing there. Did you know every time Maria goes somewhere, Our Lady will appear on the airplane? Or on the car where she's going. Or whatever. It's unstoppable. Every time our lady comes here, she doesn't appear to Maria on the way. It takes basically 30 hours to get here. So she actually misses the apparition that day. And our lady waits to appear to Maria until she gets here. This is a grace. We don't deserve. Who are we that the mother of our Lord waits for us? Just like... Elizabeth said to her, we don't deserve that. And certainly when we deny or reject or not live what we're supposed to be doing, why is Our Lady so good to us? Because we know we're weak. We know we're wretched. We know we're naked. What prayer is that in? I wrote that because I believed that way in the beginning of Medjugorje because I was raised that way. Naked, weak, and wretched. Prayer for the Boat of God. You'll say that today. Say this prayer every day for this place. It's important to you remember the prayer for the Boat of God. That was a compilation of just short, ardent prayers all over these mountains pre-Our Lady coming here, asking for her heavenly queenship to be established as no other place on earth. Because I've been to all the sites where Our Ladies appeared, and all of them developed in the wrong way. And they've been damaged. Medjugorje is damaged by development. You need hotels, you need souvenir shops, but the way they do, they crammed it right up to the church and crammed it right up to the mountain has destroyed the peace there. And he says, I wanted to create, I wanted to create an oasis of peace. It is those who, through their carelessness, are destroying the peace. Therefore, I call upon you to preserve the peace. We want a buffer here because we want a place where she owns the real estate, she owns the land, and what is her intentions for this valley, and develop it. And so what you're seeing here, this is her building. She wanted this. The grounds are laid out the way she wanted it. And I was trained in my business, being prepared, just like Hassan said, the Sufi Muslim, to get a background in how to build a building like this with trees. When this building was being finished, it took three years to build it because we hand hewed all the stone, everything. The architects didn't do the outside skin. They just did the steel structure. This was boots-on-the-ground development. And so when we were building this, a guy comes up, a vendor. He says, man, this is a beautiful church you're restoring. He thought it was 100 years. This was, was built like Adam, already grown up with age. And it was brand new. It didn't just happen. It came through a lot of cognition, yes, experience, and my experiences in business, laying out buildings. We put this place in the worst place on this 25 acres here, in a hole. Why? Because from the beginning, from the front, we didn't want it to look like a huge building. You go through it, this thing's bigger than it looks like it grows. You go in the front, it's smaller, quaint, it's nice. All this is walking with God to create an environment that physically manifests what's in our heart. So Our Lady is telling us, my children, do not desire to accept that you are weak and little. She's telling you, you have to accept that. And by that, you know what you do. Our Lady did it. Jesus did it. God the Father did it. With the help of the angels. I begged Our Lady to send 5,000 angels to this valley. And let the porthole be open, free, just like Jacob in the ladder when he fell asleep in the field and I believe that happened and I was praying for that before Maria came and there is that you can get up in these fields you feel that presence and this place is developing in that way not in the next year not two years but over time it's transformed because we know we're weak and we're little and we depend on God and that's where St. Paul said in the scriptures I'm at my strongest when I'm at my weakness because that's where I call upon God that I can't do it He's got to do it. And so if you've got your plan and you're trying to make it happen and the schedule looks like it's supposed to be that time, God's always way beyond the time frame you think so. And it eventually comes. So that necessitates that you have this mentality that you are very weak. You do not desire to accept that you're weak and little, but you can be strong. See, she comes on the other side. Sounds like a contradiction. Okay, you've got to accept you're weak, you're little, you're nothing. Prayerful blood of God has all these philosophies in it. Because I was praying that way. Naked, weak, and wretched. But you can be strong and great by doing God's will. People have talked, I've heard people say, what is holiness? What, what is it? Everybody here is different. And God looks at you as an individual. And no matter where you are, what you've learned, what bad habits you picked up, what good habits you picked up, you can't blame anything on anybody else except what you accepted in a good habit or a bad habit or virtue or unvirtue. Why? Because when you are judged in front of Jesus, all those people won't be standing beside you. Well, he made me do that. She made me do this. Well, the men may be excused because of the wives. Too many honeydews. Nobody's going to be with you. Not even the husband. He's going to be by himself. She's going to be by herself. And you can't blame anything you've done on anybody or any reason. And so when you stand in front of that judgment, what makes you holy? It's real simple. It's all individual for us. Is God has a plan for you. Not for you with 50 people. Individually. You do God's will, and you can't surpass the peak of holiness by doing that. Whatever God's will is for you, and that's what you've got to pray for, because there's a context in being married as a couple. What's God's will for you? The family, God's will for your family, the state, the nation. But then you have the individual. What is God's will as an individual for me? So you got different God's wills in that situation, but they don't contradict each other. And you have to come to order, just like these boots and these shoes. Everything has to be in order. So what's your state in life? And that's what Lucia revealed in the 50s, part of those secrets, is what does God require? Sister Lucy said the message, a secret, we didn't even know it. She said what God requires today is to perform your state in life. Why? Because blenders were coming, washing machines were coming, uh, automation was coming, cars for the guys. Everything was coming and everything was looking at that. And we were escaping our state in life. We started looking at different things. If you want to be holy, you first got to say, who I am, what I am, am I a man, am I a woman, what is this man, what is his state in life, what is he supposed to be doing, how is he supposed to be providing, how is he supposed to exercise his, his authority, the wife. Who am I? What am I supposed to be doing as a mother, as a wife, as a housekeeper? You do perfectly your state in life. That's God's will. Now, he may come from there when you do that with some extra exercises for you spiritually or plans for you. But you have to start who I am, what is my role, and me fulfill that role, perfected. Remember, our lady didn't even leave the kitchen sink. And nobody fulfilled God's will greater than she. You don't have to be doing great things. You have to be greatness in your role of life. That's where you start. Seeing who you are. You're a sinner. You're full of darkness. You have death in you. You can't reject Our lady. You have to stop and look at yourself. Understand who you are. Don't ever desire not to accept that you're weak and you're little and that you can be strong. And great, are they great, and nobody recognized her in Israel for what she was doing. Or she couldn't even imagine how great she would be until she got to heaven. And all of heaven watched her coronation. And now all the earth is about to watch her coronation because everybody is going to know that the Virgin Mary appeared, and the ones that don't accept it. It's not because they don't believe it. It's because they reject it, just like they rejected Christ. They saw miracles. They saw the dead rise. So not everybody's going to accept Mary, but everybody's going to know she's appearing. They're going to hate her, just like they hated Jesus. They knew he had the power he had. And it wasn't that they denied it. It's that their idea of who Messiah was going to be and their sins that blinded them. So the whole world is going to recognize, all the Baptists, all the Methodists, all the atheists, all the Hindus, all the yoga people, don't go into this stuff. Some of you are probably doing that. Research it. Research yoga. All these things, we don't need that. LA has given everything. Lucia said that the spiritual fall can be tied in the whole world and its downfall of not praying. The rosary has immense power. More power to change you. And I'm going to say something that may shock you more power in the rosary to change you than Holy Mass. Why? Because if we're in sin, we've got death in us, and we don't understand who we are, we don't accept we're little and weak, and we go to communion unworthily, you damage yourself. You eat and drink damnation. But you can be in the deepest mortal sin and say in the rosary, and Our Lady can take that prayer and change that. You can't change it going to communion. You have to learn that you're to be in repentance. You have to be going to confession. And we've got everybody, literally almost a record rate of 100% going to communion every single Sunday. And you know the teenagers have been out on Saturday night. And they're not even recognizing the sins. And so we have fallen to the Mass because it's ordained that way. Jesus said that. We're always unworthy, even without sin, the greatness of Mass. Because Mass is the greatest prayer in the universe. Nothing's more powerful than that. But to redeem a sinner, to change a sinner, and thinking we're not sinners, that we're not weak, that we're not little, and the pride in us, and we're in sin, we're not helping ourselves going to the Eucharist. And it's impossible. I'm 64. You remember how many people, half the church, a third of the church would always be in the pews during communion. Not everybody now, and we're in a greater situation of sinfulness and fallenness than we were 30, 40, 50 years ago. And this is troubling. It can trouble your heart when you think about this. But that's what conversion is about, is being convicted. You contemplate these things, and you realize who you are and what you are. I'm a sinner, and, and you are better than me. I'm talking about literally, but I recognize that. Father Ken Roberts said, when he goes to the convent, he hears confession of them. He says, these nuns, they're, they're uh, cloistered. And he was talking about their sins. He said, wow. He says, it's like getting nibbled to death by a duck. <laughs> <laughs> There's so little bitty sins. But see, they see their sins are worse than you. And that's how we always look at ourselves. That we are great sinners, not little sinners. Because too much is given, much is expected. You're hearing things that people will reject right now that you can accept, or maybe even having trouble accepting it, about the rosary or mass, that thing. Because nobody understands that. I'm not demeaning mass. I'm telling you how powerful mass is. It will bring you damnation. It will bring the culture down by taking and doing and not being repentant. The rosary is so powerful to change the direction of the world because Our Lady has the grace through that to bring conversions to sinners. More than all the angels put together. Think about that. We've got to change our ideas. We've got to change our mentalities. We need to be formed by the messages and transform our life and others by our life. Our Lady ends up with this. And so that one point, you do God's will, you seek God's will, then you're at the highest you can be in holiness. You don't have to do something great. You don't have to start a mission like this. You don't have to do anything. You just need to go home and look at a checklist. This is my state in life. Am I really fulfilling that state in life? You're better off doing what the sinner went to give his sacrifice at the altar and pray, but he wasn't right with his brother, and he left to go make amends. God wants you to make amends in your state first. Then you adore him because you've got a foundation to really go there and really praise him because your house is in order, literally. Your house is your state. Your house is your house. Your house is your job. Your house is your church. Until we get this, we're never going to go anywhere. We're never going to change the world. And a wants to change the world because she said June twenty fifth, 1987, God desires the conversion of the entire world. And until your world's conversion by your state in life changes and grows holy, nothing else will. We carry a big responsibility. And she's hard on us. She's difficult on us. We had a nine-day fast. We ended it. We were so busy. My heart wasn't into it. We picked the main message, how we're going to break our fast. And this is, this is the message we got for this nine-day fast, really, and ten-day fast for the community, on the steps. I think this is our ending fast message. It's hard. So we're all there, and we get the message, and our A says, the fast you just finished was not done with the heart, do another one. Nine days, we think, oh, great. So and it was true. We knew. We knew where our hearts were. We just did it because we were just doing it like the Pharisees, and we were Pharisees. We didn't know that until we looked into yourselves and see how sinful you are, that we wasn't sincere in even what we were doing. We didn't really have our heart into it. We was doing it because everybody else was doing it, and that's what we decided to do. Okay, this is the fast comes up, but that was a real lesson for us because we had to turn around within a few weeks and just do another nine day fast. And it was very profound and very powerful. And the message we picked was incredible. I don't remember do you remember what that message was? After we had to do the second nine day fast. Something you did is pleased me this pleases me or something. But it was something to the fact like, you know, okay, I accept this fast. This pleases me. So you might have to do it one, two times, whatever you're gonna be doing. But Lady's calling you to perfection. And that's not a pleasant thing to do. So she says, give me your cleansed heart that I may illuminate them with the light of life, my son. You can't have Jesus. You can't have what you're supposed to have until you do one simple thing. God's will. It comes down to that. Because we have people come back from Medjugorje. They think, i got to start this ministry. i got to do that. My ministry, when I came back from Medjugorje, was my family. My Medjugorje, a following Medjugorje, put in practice... Was my community? Was my family? I wasn't thinking anything about what this is about. In fact, I was divesting myself from my business and even my assets. I was cashing it all out and giving it over to Caritas and setting myself up so I could go years without even because I know Caritas couldn't pay support on that. But I was just seeking the change in my family. I made radical changes, and it cost me to do that. It was very difficult and a lot of suffering. But we did that. And only then, within five or six years of that, then the community Our Lady asked for could be started to join the community already here, which is my family. So Our Lady has a plan for you. You need to spend your time in prayer, thought, being convicted, and be hard on yourself, not everybody else for your problems. You, the problem one, two, three, four is me, whoever I point to it. It's how I deal with difficulties. Jesus never looked at everybody as the problem. And what he was teaching he was telling the apostles you know what how do you react it's not how you do a task we always I always tell people here it's not how you build a house or a barn or something here the finished product is how you do it along the way are you in peace with each other you can have construction plans for a contractor here and another contractor here the same house they built side by side and one is fighting with each other they're cursing each other out they're, they're, they're mad they're angry And both houses end up the same way. And this was in peace, quiet, working together, and joy. The end result may be the same thing on construction. And so we have this thing we talk about. It's not what we finish with. It's how we finish it. And that's your day when you wake up to the nighttime. How did you go through? Not your spouse, not your children. How do you react? You focus on yourself, and that's what attracts people because they want to imitate that and they want to be that way. This has been a special encounter with a friend of Medjugorje given at Caritas of Birmingham on October the 14th, 2017 where many hearts experience the deeper conversion. Re-listen and spread to all your family, friends, and all your social media so they too can better understand God's plan and how to find it.